coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And we are back. It's been a little while this time, but uh, we we needed... It, it has not been longer than between the last <laughs> episode and the episode before that. <laughs> it certainly has not. However, <laughs> however, it's been a couple weeks. And yeah, to explain... We really need to step this up. Um, <laughs> we... We were in such a dark place at the end of uh, the last episode, which um, if you haven't listened to it yet, please do. Uh, <laughs> we went, we ran the gauntlet of all the Saw films in so, one day, uh-huh. um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then the rest of the world still continued to exist around us, which was very surprising. Um, and we had to contend with that at that point, being people who had lived through the saw fiasco. Uh, and it, it, it was very, very difficult. Yes, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's been really weird. It's honestly been very odd to see how the saw day like impacted our day to day lives. I think that there has not been a day since where we don't make some sort of saw joke or reference. Uh, and it's, it's worrying. Um, and this is coming from people who like, we, we've watched a lot of saw before we make saw jokes now and then, but it's like, it's, we're very in the saw world right now. Not to, not to put too fine a point on it. Cause we know some of you are probably sick of hearing about saw, but yeah, needless to say, however, some of you are probably only here because of saw. That's true. And those of you, I, I raise a Dr. Pepper. (laughs) I raise a Dr. Pepper. I am actually drinking. A Dr. Pepper cream soda with vodka. Cream soda ing. <laughs> so we're yeah, we're cream soda in. <laughs> um yeah, so that that has also been very much a thing since um the saw fiasco. And uh yeah, uh, we I actually went and got the Dr. Pepper cream soda. I'm trying yeah. it. It's it's very good. It's good. It you like it? Makes it swell with vodka. Yeah. How does yeah, it taste? Like, does it taste a lot like regular Dr. Pepper? It's pretty similar to regular Dr. Pepper. Like, Dr. Pepper already has kind Ooh. of a cream soda flavor to it. This one just has like more. It's got like a cream soda aftertaste as well. Okay. Because I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Pepper, but I, I've been thinking about, <laughs> I've been so swayed by the commercials um, <laughs> that I've been thinking about trying the cream. I want to cream soda. I want to want to cream soda. And so. I, you know, I want to try it. I want to know. Uh, it's like when um, all the ads were for the orange vanilla Coke and I immediately had to buy it. So, you know, I'm very susceptible to marketing. And <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you show it enough times, I'm going to yeah. want to try the soda. Yeah. I mean, especially I, with sodas, because eventually yeah, I'm going to be that's like, the I, big have, thing. Yeah. If it's a I soda, have to know how that tastes. I'm like that with a lot of food or beverages, though. Like, I like, I have to try it. I'm, and it's not just susceptible to ads. It's like when something is like weird, I'm like, I must consume that. So, like, you know, <laughs> put out a weird food or drink product, and I'm like, I need to ingest that immediately. Um, yes. I don't yeah. mean ingest as in a, a DCP. I mean, ingest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little projectionist joke there for the uh, <laughs> zero people out there who understand like, that. <laughs> I was just bringing it back full circle to what this podcast was initially supposed to be about, which was like going to the actual cinema. Um, yeah. 
Once well, upon a time, we were a podcast about going to the movies. However, you know, we can't do that these days. So we're just, we're getting by by watching all the Saw movies in one day wrong. and talking about Dr. Pepper. That's just what you do. You ever seen, um, and the answer is no, but Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, there's a song called Getting By, but it's B-I. And it's when a guy is coming out as bi. And it's like one of my favorite numbers. So uh, we are also getting by. I mean. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are doing that. Yeah. So I'm drinking the Dr. Pepper cream soda vodka. What are you drinking this fine evening, Matt? I am drinking. So I've had, I had a shower beer and it was a Bud Light. But I have switched to red wine. Um, red wine Classic. is not in. Yeah, it's not in any way relevant to the movies we're discussing um there is no this is not rating the movies on our wine beer liquor scale um it's just that i had a bottle that i wanted to drink and generally if i open a bottle when we're recording i finish a bottle when we're recording <laughs> so i figure it was a good idea you can't let that wine go go off you know you gotta gotta drink it while it's at its freshest I genuinely cannot let red wine sit for more than 24 hours. I will. I have to consume it within 24 hours if I open a bottle. Because otherwise it goes yeah. weird. And then I'm I'm drinking vinegar and I don't want that. So Red wine goes weird fast. That's yeah. for sure. Um, right. All right. So, yes. So the movies that we're discussing this evening, um, we, you know, it's fall. We're getting into the spooky season. We decided to talk about a couple horror movies that we've been watching. That's mostly. Wait, I mean, that's, we, we decided to talk about horror movies. I really, I can't believe that we <laughs> watched those. Um, I know it's very brand for this pod, but I thought we'd mix things up a little. Um, that's like that's mo almost exclusively what I've been watching the last few weeks. Um, yeah, same. Um, you know, there's one notable exception to the horror theme that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Now, <laughs> what film could that be, man? Yeah, what's my one notable non-horror movie that I keep watching? I don't know. I wonder if anybody who listens could tell me. Um, um, you know, sometimes there's a movie that you have out there. It's like a rock that you hold on to for ages, and um, for ages, <laughs> something that you rely on. Um, and we all need that kind of rock in these times. We do. So we all need <laughs> to rock sometimes. But uh, as always, our our holdfast is uh, horror, and yeah, for being sure. that it, it is spooky season, we we're gonna stick with the horror at least for a little while. Um, and this week, we wanted to talk about uh, "Drag Me to Hell" and the Poughkeepsie Tapes. These two movies have absolutely nothing in common, other than they are both before 2010. So, yeah. Um, but we've decided to combine them here. And I'm sure we'll find a way to, if, if I had to guess, we'll find a way to, to compare the themes somehow. But um, they're, yeah, they're both like late 2000s. They technically, what, Drag Me to Hell was 09. that? Yeah, 09. 09. Okay. I was actually working at the movie theater when that one came out. So that oh, one, okay. yeah, I, I do, that one perfectly ties into our. Uh, projectionist theme here. I um, so I did not work. I was not working at the time at a movie theater. That came out during my senior year of high school, and I have a very vivid memory of seeing that movie, who I saw it with, the theater I saw it in, everything. Um, mm -hmm. I have very strong memories of associated to seeing that movie. Yeah, so. I saw that one for free on my uh, worker tickets, and oh, was one of the oh. first ones I saw that summer. Also. Interestingly enough, I, while I was working at that theater, I remember seeing a poster for the Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, nice. But 
as uh, as you probably know, but many other people probably don't, the Poughkeepsie tapes never actually got a theatrical release, even though it was supposed to. And we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little more later when we delve into the Poughkeepsie tapes. But uh, yeah, uh, these are these are both pretty good horror movies. I would recommend both of them. Uh, yeah, they're fine. And very very different in uh, tone, content, everything. Um, so why don't we kick it off with uh, Drag Me to Hell? That one is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was about to sing, but I think it was Dragula. Um, <laughs> look, I love Drag Me to Hell. It is so much fun. It is. It's and like I distinctly. So, OK, so the first time I saw this movie, I went in pretty blind. And I remember thinking that the trailers did not do a very good job of letting you know this movie's a comedy at the same time and it is a horror and i like went in and i went with my friend and we were like we expected like all out horror we expected yeah. to like leave scared um it's very much both what's gonna happen i mean there are moments that are genuinely like you'll jump and things like that but like it is very funny and it yeah. is meant to be very funny there's a um, lot of genuinely scary stuff in there but also like retirement there's so many funny parts in it. It's yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, but I had no idea going into it. And I just have like memories of like like things happening in this movie, like when like that anvil falls on the woman's head. And I was like, <laughs> is that an anvil? Like <laughs> she like, just has an anvil hanging <laughs> shed. Like you do. <laughs> we both like my friend and I both looked at each other like, I'm sorry, is this like a Bugs Bunny cartoon? Because we just had no idea that it was supposed to be like a comedy. And like this was my senior year of high school. I didn't really understand that Sam Raimi was like who he is and was behind like, you know, the 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 he's has a history with like the walking the line between horror and comedy. Like that's like, you know, one of his biggest claims to fame. And like right. I had no I did not know that. And so well, I mean, like not in any real sense. And so, like, I was like, <laughs> and so I just went in. I don't know what that sound was. And I went in and I was like, I'm very confused. And there's an anvil falling and there's a goat talking. And that woman is nose bleeding like a gallon of blood. And oh, my I don't God. Know what's bleeding. going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is a Sam Raimi film. Um, and it's very much in his classic style of horror, which is like, very scary, but also very funny somehow at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very different from other like horror comedies, which I would say are much more focused on the comedy aspect of it, while the horror stuff is just sort of like a set dressing or a theme. Um, right. He still does like full on horror in this movie and stuff like The Evil Dead and whatever, but he, he's got such a unique way of mixing the two that I think right. is really cool. Uh, and this was his first uh, movie after coming off the Spider-Man series, too. So this was sort of pitched as his return to the horror genre, which is yes. his typical fare. Right. Uh, so the basic plot of this movie is that uh, it actually ties in very well to the financial crisis, which was going on at the time. And like the whole mortgage thing. Yes, uh, I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of this movie is uh, like the, the main character, uh, sh uh, she works at a bank and she is, is pressured to deny uh, uh, extension on a loan for this old woman who comes in uh, begging to have her loan renewed. And as a result, she gets like a curse placed on her for rejecting this extension. And then like 
there's this demon that's gonna drag her to hell after a certain number of days uh, and it's just all about her trying to fight that off and avoid being dragged to hell yeah it is that's literally it that's it avoid being dragged to hell and listen we are all just trying to avoid being dragged to hell so. <laughs> yep that's uh that's something we can all relate to right now we're all relate. we've all been to, there <laughs> um, we're all desperately fighting off being dragged to hell one of the most uh <laughs> one of the most distinctive parts of this movie i'd say are the the vomiting scenes <laughs> the vomiting scenes. they're just like every there's so much um so much like vomiting and like blood gushing it's body fluid there's like the- there's a strong amount of body fluid horror in this movie and like they don't go like so far as doing like urine or semen or anything like that no. but like 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 there's a lot of like yeah, like blood, there's vomiting. There's the scene where they're at the dinner with like uh, Justin Long's parents and like she's stabbing this eyeball that's like bleeding profusely, which is like not <laughs> quite blood because it's like also eyeball fluid. And like, it's like this really like, there's like this obsession with like gross fluids in this movie. <laughs> Every Everything in the world that could end up in Christine's mouth ends up in Christine's mouth. Yeah. She really, it, just, <laughs> it, it really sucks that like, if you're going to be dragged to hell, you also have to spend the preceding days like experiencing all of this. There's the scene where she goes to uh, like, so the, the old woman, she, she's going to like ask the old woman to forgive her from the curse, but the old woman died. So now it's like, Oh no, she can't forgive me the curse. So she like is at like the wake that's going on uh for the old woman and like she knocks over the corpse at some point somehow the (laughs) corpse lands on top of her and starts like spewing like uh embalming fluid and like all sorts of crap like out of her mouth directly into christine's mouth (laughs) there's there's so many scenes like that in this movie they're just like oh my god what this is so so disgusting Oh, there's like that the whole scene in the car too, where she gets attacked by the old woman and then like multiple times, like gross stuff ends up in her mouth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like the old woman like falls with her denture with mouth and it like lands right inside Christine's mouth. (laughs) Like, What is going on here? There's a point where like. I think the demon like puts his fist right into Christine's mouth and she's like choking on it or something. Yes. Yes. It's like, I don't even know what is going on in this movie half the time. Um, But yes, there is, there is the part where the fist goes into the mouth. I have a distinct memory. of that. <laughs> um, and to be clear, I just want to be clear. I watched this movie like two weeks ago, so I'm like, Same. To remember. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, Same here. Um, yeah, we're both we're doing that thing right now. We're just like we're we're calling back to something we watched a little while ago. So yeah. we're getting we're getting like the highlights here. Um, That's fine. Um, I think it can be more interesting sometimes. You really you really hone in on what, stands what you out remember most. the most. Um, I think uh, like a lot of this movie is just so beautifully shot. That was one thing that really. Sure. Uh, stood out to me it's like the colors are also vivid um and uh sam raimi like really knows how to do crazy stuff with the camera lots of crazy off-kilter shots moving camera and stuff like that 
Um, right. I mean, he's great. He's always great. That's you yeah. know, that's what that's one thing that he. I'm, I was going to say, oh, one thing he knows how to do. He knows how to do a lot <laughs> of things. The one thing that Sam Raimi the knows. The only how- thing he's good at. That hack. Oh. Um, no, we love Sam Raimi. Um, Sam Raimi. Justin Long as a professor in this was very funny. I think Justin Long being, I mean, I mean, Justin, if you're listening to this pod, listen, I think Justin Long being in a movie is inherently funny factor for the movie and so i love when he shows up in movies um, i do i do it was weird that he didn't have much to do in this movie yeah he was just sort of like a awkward guy but i did like like his character's uh whole arc and stuff like he's uh his parents are like pressuring him to date somebody more above his station or whatever and they don't see her as being worthwhile so it's that same thing where like she has to prove herself again and by like trying to prove herself she's heading into dangerous water yeah and that's like that's like her yeah that's her entire character arc right like is that the reason she gets into all of this situation is because she's trying to prove herself as like i can make it in the cutthroat banking world and like you know, so like she's like, I'm gonna turn down this woman's like mortgage or loan or whatever. I don't know finances, and so <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm gonna do it because I can be ruthless too. And like every time she tries to prove herself, she like digs her hole deeper. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one scene that I like absolutely loved in this movie was the seance scene. Oh sure. So uh, like Christine. <laughs> First of all, Christine consults like this guy who's like a strip mall psychic, which like this part is really funny. That funny. You, in any movie like that, we talked about this on the um, the countdown episode. In any movie with like a a demon or something like this, there has to be a, a scene where they go consult with a psychic or something. And I always like when there's something unusual about the person that they go to consult. This one was no exception. Uh, she goes to like consult like this strip mall psychic <laughs> and he <laughs> seems like very scammy from the front. Uh, but then eventually he figures out that like she has like a very real curse that's been placed on her and he actually right. like knows a little bit of stuff. He's not like totally fake. So he's like, I'm going to have to put you in touch with like this medium who's like a really serious uh, medium. And so they right. go over to her house and uh, it's like this crazy, like 1800s mansion that is like really gorgeous. And they have this huge, crazy seance room. Yes. Now uh, it is the same mansion from the opening, right? It's the yes. same. Yeah. 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 So yeah. In the opening scene, we get to see like the opening of this movie is like a flashback or a, like a, like a prequel showing like this medium trying to fend off the same demon and failing. Right. Um, so like she, for her, this is kind of personal as well. She really wants to defeat this demon this time. Uh, and this seance is like so crazy. They, they have like several other ghosts that show up on the scene and they just yes. like, just like sort of lurking in the corners. It feels very like uh like insidious for like the scenes oh, where they go into the ghost dimension. Um right. I like that there was one of them was playing the trombone, which um that's a that's a personal love of mine. That is very exciting. I and, really that. 
And then there's like the, like the demon like possesses several people and you get to see. And it the does it like immediately through contact. Like if you touch somebody else, the demon automatically like would like possess the next person in the chain. So yep. like we get to see the we get to see everybody like the demon inhabits like everybody in the room and like at one point the demon inhabits the goat. Um, yeah. Which is a, also a highlight of the film is when the goat <laughs> is yelling at people and calling. He's like calling someone a bitch, and I'm like, all right, we're like, <laughs> you damn bitch! And like what the goat is like swearing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So they're, they're trying to get the demon into the goat so they can kill the goat, and I guess yeah. that'll banish the demon. Uh, but it does not go well. Spoiler no. alert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but oh my god, when the demon is in the goat, uh, it's so creepy. Yeah. And like they, they actually managed to make that kind of scary as well as kind of funny, which it's is what funny. Sam Raimi is so good at. Very weird. It's just over. It's like, yeah, it's like this like weird effect of like something that's not supposed to happen happening. It's just very like both creepy and very hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the way that it's played. So it, it works well. That whole scene done. is so, so chaotic. It's just like everything goes wrong. Um, you know, that's what happens when you're trying to fight a demon. I think, I think that's a, uh, from my personal experience, I would say that when you fight a demon, things get chaotic. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> things rarely go to plan for some yeah. reason. From my from my very personal experience <laughs> of fighting a demon, um, I have thoughts on this clearly. Yeah, but I that scene is definitely a standout, and I think it's meant to be a standout. It's like the climax, essentially, so that makes sense. Um, I really love I love that sequence as well. That and then the dinner party with Justin Long's parents. Um, which I just love because she's just like, she's like, I finally got it under control, Christine is. And she's like feeling like she's doing well. And then she looks down at her the dessert she made or whatever. And like in the pie, there's just like an eyeball watching her. Um, and she like, she like loses it at this scene. Like she yeah. knows there's a demon. She knows that she's seeing things. And she's like, I don't care that I know all of these things. I must stab this eyeball right now. <laughs> yeah. She's like screaming and stabbing the thing. And it'll, yeah. what the hell is going on? Cause like she knew that that whole, uh, that whole dinner party was going to be like really difficult because like the parents didn't like her, but then like, she's actually talking about her career and stuff. And they're like, Oh, we didn't know like you were that impressive. Oh, you actually like seem pretty good. They're actually warming up to her and they like her. And then like everything goes out the window when she starts like getting the visitation from the demon. Um, the demon shows up in so many different forms in this movie. And yes. like a number of them are like very creepy. Uh, when it's like trying to break into the house and like you can hear it like trotting up the stairs and stuff because it's like yeah. it's sort of like a like a semi goat kind of demon, you know, like traditional satanic Christian. Yeah, I was gonna say like trait. demons often tend to be they have like goat motifs in mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Uh, it's very creepy. There's uh, <laughs> the reason why she um, she feels somewhat at ease going to the dinner party is because she thinks that she's appeased the demon by making a sacrifice of her <laughs> cat. Is, she kills the cat in this movie, which yeah. is like it's generally a big no no in the movie. You don't have your uh, your lead character kill like a cat or something like that <laughs> it would totally make you lose sympathy for them. But uh, Sam Raimi will, will do it. Uh, yeah, of course. In, the, the, in a movie like this, the way that she does it too is so like creepy. She's like, 
stalking after her. she's like here kitty kitty and she's got the big knife in her hand yes yeah and she like stabs like, her cat um i remember seeing that part in the theaters and everybody was like shocked and she was like here kitty kitty is like oh my god it's very sad it's and very they show her burying the fucking cat in the she's backyard like, I did it. it's over now it's over it's like she's like justin long is like you know, like, you know, he's noticed that she's been acting weird. She's like, but everything's going to be fine now, I think. And I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. We've still I, got about 45 minutes of movie left, Christine. Uh, so I don't no. think this is over yet. Um, also, like, I don't, like, she just killed the cat. I don't think she did any sort of ritual with it or anything. Yeah, like, mm. so, like, you know, um, the psychic she sees is, like, maybe if you make a sacrifice, right, yeah. it will help. And so she, that's why she kills the cat. But she doesn't really do anything. She just kills it and then buries it. And it's like, does that count? My guess know. is that it wouldn't have mattered if she did any sort of ritual. It's well, it doesn't care. Uh, yeah, the like, I mean, it, it, during the seance scene, the demon was even like, I don't want a stupid cat. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I think he, like, threw the cat at her. Yeah. Like manifested the cat and threw it at her. Um, yeah. Again, that's a really crazy scene. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love the uh, the the switcheroo with the envelope and the the button. Oh sure, it's that very was... obvious that it's happening in retrospect. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, if you if you've seen it before, you're like, okay, obviously what's happening. But it, it is yeah. somewhat convincing the first time around. And that's um that's part of what makes the ending like such a shock. I think right. is it like towards the end it it really does seem like she's finally vanquished this um demon. Well, first of all, there's that whole scene where she goes and digs up the old woman's grave to like give her back the cursed button that she's. She does, yes. <laughs> she goes and digs up the woman's grave. Um. Which is also a very bizarre scene. This movie really covers it all. We've got like, we're, we're exhuming graves. We're dealing with demons. We're spurting blood from orifices. Like, <laughs> just like everything is happening in this movie. Yeah. Well, that um, whole, that scene right there where it was like, she was digging up the grave. I was like, okay, this movie's done everything here. It's got, yeah. it's got literally like every bit of horror imagery you could imagine they they squeeze it in here and then her digging up the grave is just like the absolute button on all of that uh and it's such a crazy scene too because she's like over the course of the movie she just gets like more and more pissed off at everything that's happening yeah, she's her. angry she's like going full wacko like she is really not doing <laughs> so well. in this final scene she's like screaming as she digs up this woman's grave and then yeah. it's just like i back to you you it's <laughs> like fucking shoving it in. and then of course like there's more like disgusting interactions between her and the woman's corpse because yeah. you know that, that that's what happens in this movie and then there's like this pouring torrential rain coming down and like washing all the headstones away and like flooding mud into the grave as all this is yeah. happening and it's like oh my god it's like the world is ending yes. everything is going on right now yeah. um so yeah, that scene was really crazy, but then also the end um of where course, yeah. she actually gets sucked down to hell. You mean dragged down? You can't <laughs> she gets dragged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not called suck me to hell. Suck that's, me to hell. That's the porn. That's um... the porn parody. <laughs> um yeah, goddamn. 
Yes, she does get dragged down to hell at the end, though, as prophesized by the title. Um, and oh my god, that scene is so freaking scary because, um, like, like I said, like you, you're kind of not expecting, kind of think like, oh, it's giving you like all the notes of like the horror movie that ends on a happy note. Like, even though they went through all this stuff, she yeah. survived, and like that's the end. And some horror movies do have happy endings. Uh, but this one is just like, we're going to give it to you. Nope. Sure not. Uh, sure yeah. Not. When she gets faked out between the uh, the button and the uh, standing liberty nickel or something. Because Justin Long is a numismatist in this film. Um, and then immediately she gets dragged down to hell. Yeah. Um, and it's... Like the imagery there, I thought was amazing considering it's like it's like ten years old CGI. Um, yeah, it all looks pretty good. I would say it looks pretty Not a good. Bad looking movie. She like falls down into like this pit that's fiery, and there's hands reaching after her and dragging her down, and you see like her face melt away into this screaming skull. Yeah, and it's like it's really friggin' terrifying, and you get to see Justin Long like watching this. As like nobody else at the train station like really figures out what's going on because the train is like running by or whatever, right? And he's just like absolutely horrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, like I mean, he like clearly thought she was like being a little like dramatic for a while there, you know. And then it turns out, oh wait, something was actually prepared to to drag my girlfriend down into the right. bowels of hell. Um, yeah, like his role the entire time is like the skeptic. Like he he wants to like uh, calm her and like soothe her or whatever, but he doesn't really believe. Like she keeps talking about this curse and everything and how this demon's been tormenting her, and he just thinks like, oh, she's been having a rough time at work or something. Right. Uh, but then at the end, he sees like, oh no, this is all very very real, uh, right. and he's just like absolutely horrified. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, uh, what's interesting about the, the ending and the way it all works out is that so much of it does, um, and I'm, uh, to be clear, this is not like an original idea, but like Sam Raimi, you know, has stated that they wrote this as sort of like an old fashioned morality tale. And like, yeah. it really does feel that way by the end. Right. And like, because it's like, this is a character that you want to sympathize with. Like there are like, yes, she does turn down this woman's loan or whatever. Um, and that is like a shitty thing to do in theory, but also this is an accountant and an entry level job at a bank. Yeah. How much control does she have over that? And like, she's just doing, she's following her rules and that's all she can do. Right. And like, so like, there's a lot of that. And then you learn that she's like really just trying to prove herself. Cause maybe her background is such that she doesn't feel like she can like hang with her boyfriend's family and like that sort of thing. Right. And so you really feel for her. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, she still did a really shitty thing. And yeah. Every every attempt she makes to like correct her course after that kind of makes her do worse things. Like she right. she kills like, the cat. She is uh digging up a woman's grave. Yeah. She goes and harasses <laughs> the dead woman's relatives. And it, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like I mean, it's sort of like a classic horror concept. It's just like you do one thing that's like kind of you know, it's bad, but you can 
sympathize with why it happened by it somehow there's some yeah or like or say that like yes it was bad but it's not your choice to make at that point like you're you're just the messenger like it's like yes she had to turn this woman down but really it's not her policy that turned this woman down it's the whole banks and so she's just the person relaying that policy and so like you can justify it that way but then everything she does after that is like well you're not making things better i'll say that like no um, (laughs) so yeah, it is. It is very much. It's it's like a classic story, like classic, not e- even in like horror film, but like no, going this is back like hundreds of is, years. I was going to say this is going back to my English major as a medieval literature uh, <laughs> specialist. I will say this is the sort of story that plays were written about in the Middle Ages. This right. is what liturgical dramas looked like. It was like this, uh, which is one reason I love this movie so much. And uh, because it really does feel like the sort of stuff that I then went and studied for like four years of college. Um, <laughs> but, um, and which is often also about demons and like specific demons that like preyed on certain weaknesses and like money was a big one for one thing. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's like a lot in this movie that feels like it's like drawing from like very classical concept. Like, I don't even want to say classical horror concepts, but it is because that's where a lot of horror gets its roots is in like liturgical drama. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I much mean, of horror is about demons, and it comes from these like old, old stories about demons and plays about demons, and these were things that got played out in church, by the way. Very fun. yeah, the <laughs> original the original horror stories were uh, religious texts, and I mean, yeah. like religion has a lot of involvement in horror. I the like the first haunted houses were put out by churches, uh, oh, so sure yeah, I mean. <laughs> Uh, religion and horror are very much intertwined and this is exactly the kind of movie that exemplifies that i think yeah it, um, it just really draws on that like um there are so many like old horror plays that feature like demons as characters who like run around and they're just like and you did this one really bad thing and you will never escape it because i am here to follow you because of that one bad thing forever and that's exactly what this demon is doing like like and no matter what she does she can't escape it uh, so it's just like a really it's interesting to see like a 2009 movie be like, and we are going to imitate this entire cycle of morality plays that is kind of niche to a lot of people, but uh, we're doing it anyway. Right. <laughs> and Sam I... Raimi would like <laughs> so that is Sam Raimi. And yeah. like, like I said, I think it's interesting that they, they specifically made it like tied into the financial crisis. Cause yeah. that also makes it in addition to like a throwback to these old stories, it makes it very relevant to the specific Extremely time that this came out. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like an updated modern morality play about like the financial systems and how like people have been exploited by these sort of things sort of ties back into some of the saw movies that we watched oh. recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't get into that now. Uh, but it saw is six. very <laughs> Saw six, yes. Saw healthcare, six. saw, healthcare, healthcare saw. saw. Um, oh, oh. Um, yes, it very much is like that same sort of thing though. That bringing like that old morality play into the 20th 21st century, I guess, since it's post 2000. Yeah. Post 2000. Yeah. 21st century. Um, a couple little side notes here. Oh, oh wait. I also wanted to talk about Christine's character. I, I just really like how like her motivations were kind of laid out from the beginning. Uh, in one of the first scenes in the movie, you see her like driving to work in her car and she's, uh, listening to this tape 
that's supposed to uh, like help help you learn to speak proper unaccented English. She's clearly trying to get rid of a southern accent um, yeah. <laughs> because she grew up on a farm, uh, as is revealed later in the movie. That is a that's the most relatable thing about her character. I distinctly remember trying to get rid of my slight accent. <laughs> <laughs> Starting it's, just, it's very interesting because like it sets out like her are she's she came from like a somewhat poor background in the rural south somewhere on a farm and she's trying to rise above her station and as a result she's maybe making some decisions that are a little immoral in the process like turning down this loan application because that's that'll help her get more credit at work and we should be clear that at, at the backdrop of this is that she's also up for a promotion maybe. And she yes. and like, and so she really wants this promotion because she wants to make better money. Um, but you know, the person she's up for it against who is Reggie Lee uh, is like <laughs> willing to, to do a lot of maybe not great things, you know, like he's yeah. pretty cutthroat about it. He's backstabbing too. So yeah. uh, the, like the whole, layout of like the the bank and like everybody who's working there is very much like a backstab people to yeah. get ahead in life so she is sort of playing that game because she has her own reasons for wanting to uh like rise above her station in life right and like you can see that throughout the movie as well as trying to get in with uh justin long's relatives she's trying to impress them and make make them see her as someone other than like some farm girl who doesn't belong with their son. So I, I thought, I thought her character was very well developed uh, and it, it provided some good motivation why she does a lot of the things she does in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's really true. And I, I think that's part of what makes her and what makes this an effective morality play. And also like an effective protagonist is that like, she's sympathetic, like, I think that anybody even now in 2020 can sympathize with the idea of like, even if you're not from the South, but especially if you're from the South, uh, you know, you go somewhere that's not the South and you have a slight Southern accent or any indication that you're from the South. People do immediately. There is an, there is an implication that you might not be as smart as them. Like right. <laughs> just based on your accent and where you're from. And so like, like it's a very sympathetic character trait to have. Um, so I think that that really does. It makes it such an effective movie because you're like, even though she did the shitty thing at the start, you're like rooting for her. Like, I want her to get rid of this curse. Yeah. I don't want her to give it to some old man who does not deserve to die five years early. Oh, yeah. Which you know? <laughs> is like her, her goal with the button. But that was like, a great, that was a great part where, uh, so like one of the, after the seance fails, the uh, strip mall psychic is like, I didn't want to tell you about this, but this might be the only chance you have. It's possible for you to give the curse to somebody else. If you make them a gift of this cursed button that you've been given I by the, the old idea woman. of a cursed button. That's like my worst nightmare. Like <laughs> the extra button on your coat is cursed. Um, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. And you can't get rid of it or anything. Cause you know, as long as the button belongs to you, you own the curse. So she's trying to like find somebody to give it away to. And she's at like this diner at like 
three in the morning or something, just like a few hours before the curse is going to finally come to fruition. And she's like looking around at people in the diner trying to decide who to give it to. And she like, she threatens the waitress. Oh yeah. This is when she's like, yeah, this is when she's like, oh, oh yeah, she threatens the waitress to give them a button. though, Because the waitress is like, are you sure you just want more coffee? Your, people like you don't tip well when you just want more coffee. <laughs> she's like, if you don't watch it, I'm going to give you a tip that you really won't like. Yeah, <laughs> it's very funny and very deranged. Um, uh, and then she's like scoping out the old people. Like, give that. It's like, oh, this is old dude. Like, Oh, he probably looks like he's going to die soon. Anyway, might as well give it to him. And then, like, his wife comes over. And it's, like, another old lady. And, the, like, this cute old couple. And she's just like, oh, no, I can't do that. Uh, yeah, that's a really funny scene. <laughs> just to see her, like, scoping out the room. Being like, who deserves it? Right. Yeah, it's very... She's, like, really debating here. And so she does give it to some, some like, dude, right? Um. Is it in the diner or does she give it to someone else? I can't remember. Well, no, she um she tries to give it to Reggie Lee. Um because she like she she calls him up and says that she knows that he like gave the information on this deal that was supposed to go down to the bank to a rival bank and then like they got the deal instead. So he like backstabbed the whole company and basically says like I'm going to tell our boss that you did this unless you accept this button. (laughs) And he's like, fine, whatever. Like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but sure. And then she can't even do that to him. So she's like, that's when she decides, like, she's going to go try to give it to the dead woman. Ah, yes. Yes. But she does try to give it to Reggie, which is a funny scene because he's just like, begging her not to tell the boss and she's like i'm gonna give you this button he's just like what the fuck is this yeah he's very confused about (laughs) that kind of blackmail is this that's a very funny moment that is very good um reggie lee is actually he's not in this movie a lot but he's pretty good when he's in it he's very funny Um, all of his scenes are very entertaining yeah like he his the contrast between him at the bank when he's like the the up-and-comer guy trying to gun for her promotion and he's like all slick and slimy and like being like oh yeah well uh i don't know she hasn't really been doing much recently has she and whatever and then like the contrast between that and like when he shows up at the diner like absolutely desperate for her not to tell uh, tell the boss <laughs> he's like crying and stuff it's like oh, it's, it's so good and then and then later like as she's on the way to the train station she gets like the call from the boss it's like oh um you know he came by my house earlier just like crying saying something about like stealing this deal from the bank or whatever and was like, so like, he tried to blame it on you but then he broke down crying and admitted that he was the one who did it so yeah he's fired and you've got the promotion it's just like, yeah even his off-screen character is very entertaining it's very funny um, um uh oh, oh allison loman i liked a lot as christine yeah um, we should we should make the connection to another movie that- oh yes yeah, so we discovered that Allison Lohman has not done a lot of acting recently, unfortunately, because she was really good in this movie. Um, but I just discovered one thing she is noteworthy for recently is she is married to uh, 
Mark Neveldine from Neveldine Taylor. <laughs> from yeah. Neveldine Taylor, who we just finished a whole series on. Yes. So she uh, she is a part of the Neveldine Taylor verse. She has um, a role. She's in Gamer. She yeah, is in she, the yeah, movie she Gamer. shows up in Gamer. The people in society. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. This this fits into the whole. Isn't she one of the like in, isn't on movie gamer? Verse. Isn't she one of the um? She's one of the like the the hacksaws. Oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. She's not in society. She um who get killed when the people uh. Yeah, she like hangs out. Her. She runs around in like the 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 ludicrous gang, the uh humans. <laughs> the ludicrous get the humans. Yeah. Um, I had to think about it. Saying oh humans immediately makes me think of the Z guys. The Z guys. <laughs> I was like, oh, who else do we know? Random Z in their name uh, for no the, reason. Yeah. The Z is very popular in the 18 oh. to 25 demographic or whatever. God. Um, Somebody stop us, honestly. This is everything ridiculous. comes back to that rock <laughs> that you hang on to for ages. Um, uh, um, so. She's also in the Vatican tapes. Apparently, she's so the Vatican tapes. I'm probably yeah. gonna have to actually watch the Vatican tapes. I actually sometime. watched the Vatican tapes sometime before we did Neville Dean Taylor, not knowing that it was her. Wait, uh, hold on, holy, holy shit! Wait, I did watch the Vatican tapes. Didn't yeah, I? I don't. Yes, know. I did. I did watch the. Va- I forgot that. I- shit. But I um, remember that when we decided to talk about the. Uh, Neville, the Neville Dean Taylor movies. I said I had recently watched a Neville Dean movie that was just Neville Dean, um, <laughs> um, which is the case. Vatican Tapes is directed by Mark Neville Dean. Right. Yeah, I, I do remember watching this. Man, I must have watched this late at night or something. <laughs> I barely remember this, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. Like, Vatican Tapes was interesting. Um, it's got a low rating, but I remember more. thinking I kind of liked it. It was a cool idea. It wasn't pulled off exactly as well as it could have been, but it was it was a it was a pretty interesting movie. I would say the vast. So I think that it's getting existential. Um, the vast majority of like exorcism movies have a really good movie up until like the final ten minutes, and so mm. it's very common. And like people wait those last ten minutes way too too heavily. Like, it's like, was the movie really good for 80 minutes of its runtime, but bad in the last 10 minutes? I don't know that I'm going to say that it was bad because of those last 10 minutes. Yeah, it can it can be hard to stick the landing on it. So some some endings are so bad that you do have to discredit the whole movie. That (laughs) does happen. Uh, But I think that's rarer than people make it out to be. That's true. Yes. Uh, getting back to Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> Before yes. we we delve too deep into Buzzed on Movie Land, yes. um, <laughs> Octavia Spencer was in this movie. Yes, yes, I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned it because if, if you didn't, I was going to. Yes, um, Octavia Spencer has a like base. I mean, it would be a cameo if she had been a big name at the time. Like, right. it's like <laughs> this was again like as she was still like mostly doing like small bit parts and stuff which is still it's I like still that you say this me. was again and to be clear the again is in reference to the time we talked about <laughs> Halloween 2 <laughs> yes that was the implied part there uh, is Tavia Spencer apparently used to do a lot of small roles in horror mil- horror films 
in the late 2000s, including yes. Halloween. This is two. why when she did Ma, we really need to just cover Ma. Um, oh, when she gonna... did Ma, like it was like not it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. She's always been waiting to be the lead in a horror role. That's movie. what's so funny is like going back. It's like, you know, it seems so strange when she did Ma because Octavia Spencer mostly does like drama roles. Yeah, but that's a whole conversation stuff. But that's a whole conversation about how Hollywood treats black women and their Mm. movies. Um, Possibly so, but um, you know what? Like, yeah, it seemed unexpected when she did when she was the lead in Mom, but it actually fits in perfectly with her filmography, and she was she was really good. She She fucking nailed it. Tell in Ma, even though Ma is a not the best movie. She wanted to do Ma. <laughs> yes. She fucking wanted That's that what role. That's what makes Ma so good is that Octavia Spencer is like, finally, I'm the Yeah. And I'm going to fucking kill it. Yeah. And she fucking does. She's what holds that in. Like, if there's any saving grace to that movie, it is her. Like, <laughs> it's and there's her. a lot the of, there's a lot her. of negative to that movie. It's not a great movie, but she is fucking awesome. <laughs> she is so good in that. Yeah. I hope we get more horror out of Octavia Spencer. I would love to see it's, that. And I want her to be the villain every time. Like, yeah. Fuck, she Hell was yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's always great to have like a top tier actor who really likes working in horror because yeah. you get some great movies out of that stuff. Yeah. There aren't that many of them. She, she should be, she should do more. Um, yeah. I don't know who the other top tier actors who like to do horror are. Um, I'm sure there are some. Tony like Collette, Nicholas, yes, Tony Collette, Nicholas Cage, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage is a bit of a wild card, but he's definitely a very talented. Actor. I mean, Nicholas Cage is just always like all in. That's his thing. Like yeah. he just like has never given less than eighty <laughs> percent movie he's ever done. Um, which is in stark comparison to most like A list actors who like have at least a few movies where you're like. All right, you were putting in forty percent. You just, right. you know, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure even Meryl Streep has a forty percent movie out there. Um, oh, I'm and, sure. You know, like, and that's saying something because Meryl Streep is pretty much also like Nick Cage, always up there. Granted, you know, I'm just saying, Tony Collette could do a lot of things Meryl Streep has done, but Meryl Streep could not do Hereditary. That's <laughs> Meryl, not Streep. An <laughs> Meryl Streep and Hereditary would not work. Um, um, so like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like I, I think that there, there are some big name actors that do horror with some regularity and I always appreciate it. Horror is also on the upswing now again. We're like, we're at a moment where like horror is kind of respected again. Yes. So it's possible for more big name actors to end up doing horror soon is I, is what I would say. So you know, that could happen. I would love, like the next Ari Aster movie, who knows? Who the fuck yeah. knows who's going to be in that movie? Um, he's such a big name now that uh, I don't he's think be he'll. Kinds of yeah, films. well, I think he'd have the option not to go too far down this rabbit hole. I think that he would never actively choose to like cast Chris Evans or something, you know, like, mm. because I think that that is distracting from movies to a certain degree, unless you want to make a point with your casting. Like, so, um, that's true. Like I could see him never casting like, you know, your Marvel superhero actors. Um, I could see him also doing it. Maybe he decides that someday that's the point he wants to make. Um, he's definitely like a quote unquote auteur. He'll do whatever he wants to do. But um, yeah. Remember when I saw that license plate that said auteur one and I can't <laughs> stop. Um, or just auteur even, I think. Um, and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Is that in like, New York? 
Yeah, it was in uh, the end. So, um, do you think that's like Martin Scorsese? <laughs> I think I, yeah, I was like, it's Martin Scorsese or Woody Allen. Um, one oh, of God. those people I want to like talk to, and the other one I want to like punch in the face. <laughs> God, like, can you imagine Woody Allen driving around with an auteur? <laughs> But like he fucking would. Like, oh no! I don't even think I don't even think Scorsese would do that. He just like he'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" Scorsese might do it just to troll. Yeah, he might do it to troll. Because I was gonna say otherwise, I don't think Scorsese drives himself. Um, I feel I like doubt, Scorsese I doubt any like, of them do really. At that yeah. level. Well, some of them. Who knows? I don't know. Like maybe to like not like I don't know. I don't know what the purpose would be. I would drive myself just because I like driving. But um. Scorsese probably doesn't. You know, he probably wants to pretend he's in Goodfellas like twenty four seven. So like somebody's <laughs> driving him, he's like, "Nah, take a left. You go to this club and do this." Um, you know, a uh, little Scorsese. Um. <laughs> All right, yeah. So that is drag me to hell. That is drag me to hell, um, and also other thoughts um, <laughs> and and other thoughts. Drag uh, me to hell and friends. Um, <laughs> drag me to hell and friends. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Can we like the... Yes, thank you. Same thing. Okay. Bathroom break. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, welcome back to Buzz on Movies, a podcast where we talk about like twelve different movies and how every other movie relates to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna um, get worse with Poughkeepsie tapes. I'm telling you now. Uh, oh God. Like... All right. So Poughkeepsie tapes. Let's get into this. Poughkeepsie tapes. Is... I love New York. Uh, <laughs> Poughkeepsie Tapes is about how wonderful the state of New York is. Uh, yeah. In case you are unaware, there are other cities in New York, uh, New York State, other than New York City. And, and Albany. <laughs> this is... And Buffalo. Listen, you know some of the states of New York. Um... <laughs> the many states of New York. Um, this is about how oh, lovely yeah. <laughs> the city of Poughkeepsie <laughs> is. Yes. Um, so and the also the, the county of Lancaster in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> I noticed this as somebody who loves Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. That is, so. that is true. Yes, I forgot. Part of this movie all takes place in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so the Poughkeepsie Tapes is a film from 2007. It is a sort of found footage film, but it's presented as like a fake documentary. Yeah. Um, and the basic plot of the movie is just that they found this huge, huge set of VHS tapes that were from a serial killer recording all of his crimes and leaving them for people to see. Yeah. And the documentary and like, and then, so then they made this documentary about the tapes and about the murders and all that they reveal. Um, now this movie it technically came out in 2007. It um, it premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival, and it was supposed to come out in theaters the next year. I think Lionsgate owned it at some point. No, no MGM. MGM I got lions on the brain here. MGM owned it, and then um, there was like a bankruptcy or something. There was a bunch of complicating things, and basically, it never came out in theaters. And for a while, there was like no way to legally obtain this movie, <laughs> um, which sort of gave it like kind of a creepy urban legendy kind of feel to it. Like that there's like this 
movie that's like a documentary about a serial killer that didn't come out and that like the only way to watch it is to like download it on BitTorrent or something. Um, yeah, and, I think that the movie actually really benefited from that. Yeah. I think it, it in a weird back backhanded way actually worked for the movie that it like was hard to find and people were just talking about it. And they're like, have you seen that movie? And like, it's the same way that like, you know, the Blair Witch Project benefited from people exactly. because it was a mockumentary or because it was found footage that it was real. Like, and so it, it, this benefited from the same exact concept, although not to the same degree. The, right. I was it's, thinking. It's always have to preface that because Blair Witch was a singularly. Blair Witch was a huge hit and yeah. uh, just unprecedented for its time. This movie is definitely not anywhere near as well known, but it's probably a lot more well known as like a cult movie than it would have been if it had just come out in theaters normally. Yes, I think, absolutely. Yeah. I think that you're right that it is kind of like the Blair Witch. It's like an inadvertent Blair Witch in that they actually made the movie more of like a legendary thing by not releasing it. Because for a while it was like, oh, you can only watch this movie by downloading it on BitTorrent. So it's like, why <laughs> was it right. too scary to be released like was it too the company like, decide it was too disturbing or maybe like is it real could it be like a real thing and like uh, who knows but right. uh and i mean if you watch it it's obviously not real but it's very obviously not real but yeah. but it gets that sort of reputation and that is what i think helped it um beyond just the reputation of the film and the release schedule and all stuff uh this is a very interesting movie in that um first of all the the documentary style i think is very interesting it's rare that you can scare somebody with documentary tactics and yet um this uh, is uh what's that movie about uh sleep paralysis erasure um you know that that doc oh uh the fifth kind the, it's the document. It's the it's the nonfiction film. Oh, it's it's actually a documentary. Um, yeah, it's actually, and it's about sleep paralysis. But they do like dramatization scenes. And anyway, oh, it's like the scariest okay. shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I could see being scary. Yeah, <laughs> I need to check that out. Um, but yeah, like this manages to scare pretty well. With the documentary techniques, documentary portions of the film are not the strongest part of it, but there are some good moments in there. But what really kills it in this movie is the tapes. Uh, They, (laughs) these tapes are pretty rough. Uh, And this film like gets pretty brutal at times. So um, before going any further, I would preface any of this with, uh, unless you're really into watching like a very disturbing movie, don't watch this one. It's yeah, rare that it's I'll... not even. It's not even that you see visually disturbing things every time, right? Like I would like the movie leaves a part. lot to your imagination in the worst ways, um, right? And so I, I say the worst ways, but I really mean like the best ways. If you like to be disturbed and scared, it's very by a movie, effective obviously. at doing what it wants. <clears throat> yeah, but it is like, like if you're like. I mean, like, just, like, trigger warning for, like, sexual assault and, like, sexual violence and things like that. Like, that's, like, very much a part of this movie. And if you're going into this movie, you should know that that's what it's about. 
Like exactly. it is like, directly about a man inflicting sexual violence upon women. And like, there are some male victims, but they're like, they're like collateral damage to this killer. Yeah. Very they get, they so get like, killed off pretty quickly. Yeah. But and so like the, the point of the movie is clearly, yeah, that's what the point is. So, yeah. Um, he's a very sadistic sexual killer. Um, and yeah, yeah, I like I'm not even trying to be like edgy here or anything like, oh man, this movie's so disturbing. Oh, like this isn't even really one of those films. Uh it's just that I feel like some of the tapes are actually fairly like realistic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like that's the part that's like kind of what makes this movie so disturbing is like that I've seen more fucked up things in movies before than this. But you're like, oh, this is a movie. This is fine. The tapes do a pretty good job of walking the line towards feeling at some points like they could be real. They're still kind of over the top sometimes and kind of silly. But some of these parts can get really, really rough. Um, yeah, I, I don't even want to like describe a lot of the stuff that happens in the tape. Because, I mean, I feel like it... First of all, wouldn't do it justice, and second of all, I just don't want to get into that. But it's a very interesting movie, and that's why I want to cover it on the podcast. It's just because it feels so unique. Like for sure, I don't feel like I've seen a movie like this before. Um, and it so just, I think that is true. I it is unique because it combines a lot of elements, especially that were big at the time. Like you think back to two thousand seven. What were the the dominating sort of like forces in horror at the time? Torture porn. That was the big thing in horror right. in 07. Everybody was doing, you know, that was Saw's peak. That was, or not peak necessarily, but like that, I mean, Saw was really, Saw, like was, the, out. Saw was the reigning was out. horror franchise yeah. at the time. Hostel was out. Like, you know, and we had a million movies trying to imitate it. Like, Teresa was probably around then. Teresa's, like, yeah, just yeah. so many of these. And also found big. So, found footage was uh, found footage was about to get big again because Paranormal Activity was oh nine. Yeah, and that so was sort of right like the revival. Of it, it was kind of we were like building up to it. Yeah, yeah. But there were still some found footage things coming out. And but then also the concept of like true crime was on the rise by oh seven. Like people were starting to get invested in like this concept of like oh, I want to follow, like, these weird serial killer stories that nobody has ever heard of. And so, like, oh, this movie yeah. was playing into that rise. And like, can you imagine something like that coming out nowadays where, like, true crime is, like, super big and, like, m almost mainstream? I Well, I think that the difference would be that immediately everybody would know that it was fake and it wouldn't benefit from that. You can't even down... You can't find this movie anywhere. Right. Benefit, because everyone would know. Um yeah, it was at such a unique period in time where like BitTorrent and like watching movies on the internet was kind of a thing, but like Netflix wasn't streaming yet. You didn't have all these big streaming services, so uh people weren't used to watching movies on the internet. Um and so like getting released theatrically was like the way that a movie would get out there. Um so yeah, I mean the story of this movie is very much reliant on the time that it comes out. For sure. Um 
but it is interesting and i think that this movie i think it it like it's just very smart of this movie that it came out when it did and sort of incorporated these elements of true crime and found footage and torture porn like it did all of that and like yeah i mean it very clearly knew what like sort of like the sort of it had its finger on the social pulse and also what what i think is kind of effective about like the torture scenes in this movie is that it doesn't it doesn't go too big on the gore no it does not it doesn't try to be too like viscerally disturbing you know, I mean, you can go out there and watch like Hostel or Saw and pe- see people getting like their limbs cut off or whatever. And that's very disturbing. But this is all about like the psychological torture. It's about like, you know, beating someone until they say what you want them to and like waterboarding people and stuff like that. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that is what I think makes this movie extra disturbing is that. Again, you know, you see somebody cutting off a bunch of limbs, you're like, ah, it's a movie, whatever. This sort of shit, like, even if you know it's fake, you know, it's not pleasant to see this sort of stuff enacted on the screen. No. The basic idea behind this movie that I think they they set out to sort of sell to the public is that there's a lot of serial killers around the country that never get caught and maybe never even get, like, found out so uh i'm like that's something that they pretty much directly present through the documentary early on and basically like this killer his whole thing is that he's like he's super secretive he's very good at getting away with the crimes cleaning up any evidence uh changing up his mo so he doesn't get caught even framing other people for his crimes and then he still leaves these tapes for people to find just to prove to them that like, Hey, I'm out there. You know, I, I got away with it. So who knows what else I'm doing now? Right. I really like that. Um, that segment when they got the guy talking about like at any given time in the United States, there's like 30 to 40 serial killers operating or something like that is that accurate do we know i feel like i don't know but um... i've heard stuff like that uh passed around before i don't know the exact but it's like it's always like way more than you'd think um and i don't know like how like what they went how they came arrived at that number and also like the definition of serial killer is is just more than one it's pretty broad yeah so it's like it could just be someone who's (laughs) I mean, like, even recently, you know, in, in Virginia, <laughs> there's yeah. been, like, serial killers who got discovered who, you know, they killed, like, three to five people or whatever. But it's not, like, what you're thinking of when you think serial killer was, like, somebody like Ted Bundy who killed, like, 20 different people. Right. Um, but, a, there really should be, like, some intermediary term there that, like, I guess, like, the difference is, like, Ted Bundy is a, a mass murderer. Like, he's, like, killing, like, right. you know, if you're killing double digits of people there's like something especially wrong with there's a whole different there's something level. fundamentally flawed with who you are right well, and, and, like, and not just that but there's a whole different level to people who are able to get away with it for like mm-hmm. decades at a time because like is, killing two people in like the course of a week that's very easily and I, this is not to excuse it but that's you very totally easy. do that 
No, but like that's very easily like you're having a mental, you're having like a psychotic break that week and like something goes wrong and like you kill one person and then in the act of covering it up, kill another, you know, like that's like no. one thing. And then there are people who premeditate 10 murders over the course of a year, you know, like that's a very yeah. different thing. It is uh, different. I mean, like, and there's, you know, spree killers and stuff. the spree killing is the new thing. You know, go out and kill well, a bunch of people all in one go. Are um, you a spree killer or are you normal? Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> to be clear, I think all murder is bad. I just like need yeah. to be clear that I'm not this like is, defending the people who have psychotic breaks and commit homicide. But like, this is a stance we will take on pod. Yeah, we do I not do condone think that murder. The vast majority of people who have psychotic breaks and also who are mentally ill in any capacity are not murderers. I'm just okay. saying that there are people who have one week where they commit two murders and might get labeled a serial killer and that's not you know that that you know people just don't think of that as factoring into the count of serial killers that are oh you know yeah i mean there's there's all it takes all kinds as they say um but yeah i mean like the basic idea of this film is that like to get you scared about the fact that they're like not just about this specific killer who's obviously fake or whatever, but just thinking about the fact that hey, what, you mean the guy who dresses as the Italian drama <laughs> opera character slash Phantom <laughs> of the Opera is fake? You know, it's amazing to me that they managed to make that his costume and still have him be scary some of the time. Yeah, it's amazing that was effective. <laughs> um, they like really went in on this guy, like wearing that look uh can we find the exact terminology for it um, so it is a, a, a italian commedia dell'arte um i knew character. that it was a commedia dell'arte but what's the character so the I character mean? is the plague doctor it He's is the, like plague the doctor. long nose you know they- what you know what plague doctor is way too fucking relevant <laughs> i know <laughs> when that came up i was like oh man that's too real right yeah, well, I distinctly they, remember screaming. So. They talk about it in the film. They and this is I. This is one of the parts in the movie that is kind of unintentionally funny. Uh, they bring on like a drama expert to talk about the character. Oh, that, he's that is so fucking funny. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like supposed to be some guy at a drama school and he's like wearing like theatrical makeup yeah. and hat. Okay, so and that's what made it funny is that he was wearing his theatrical makeup. <laughs> and I was like, you could have just made him look like a normal human. Why is he in costume? Like well, I they do try to make like the documentary segments like kind of zazzy at times because otherwise it's just a bunch of talking heads okay we should like clear the air about the documentary segments the documentary segments are often the weakest part of the film they are they are the acting is not good in a lot of them that is the problem mostly because um there's there's a few of them who are pretty good actors and there's a lot of them like there yeah. there are a number who are decent enough and that's all you have to be because it's literally you're doing a documentary acting like you're just reading facts essentially is what you're supposed to be doing yeah. like and you just have to be believable and you know there's parts where the people doing the reading are like supposed to be kind of emotional or flustered thing and yeah. that's when it can be a little iffy depending yeah. on which actors you have on yeah. the screen so yeah. yes those are i would say the weaker part of the film um they they sort of hold together but they do tend to be 
not the better parts of the movie. But again, I will say the tapes are so friggin' scary. <laughs> yeah, they're they, good. The tapes are really good. Yeah. They, they keep it together pretty well. Um, um, yeah, that was one of the things going into this that I had my doubts about because I was like, well, I watched this the first time, like, I don't know, 10 years ago in my college dorm room. Is this going to hold up? And parts right. of it did not, but the tapes... The tapes held up surprisingly well, despite, again, some of them still seem like they should be kind of cheesy. This guy is wearing this big nose mask. It's goofy. It's not like as menacing as Michael Myers mask or Jason's mask. It's this big, goofy opera mask. And yet what about the the concept that we're just a little bit more afraid of plague masks right now? (laughs) We're like, (laughs) maybe that's playing into it. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? The the imagery for right now primed to be as scary as it could possibly be. Um, But I do think you're right, though. Like, there's a lot about the imagery that even in the videos feels extremely 2007. Like, we have this guy and he's doing this like plague mask thing and he's wearing a Phantom of the Opera cape and he is doing like the most extreme master slave role play. Like, I mean, obviously role play is a bad word because that sounds like it's like pleasurable for both <laughs> parties. It's not. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say it's not pleasurable for one party, obviously. Um, it does appear to be very pleasurable for him. Yeah. Um, and like, but like even that concept is not really like a shocking concept now, right? Like an 07, like master slave role play would be like, we don't, we don't talk about that. And then like 50 shades of gray happened and now it's okay to talk about that. Oh yeah. Um, And so like, like, you know, like there's so much about the imagery of this that feels like it's meant to be an 07, but it is still effective. Like even like, um, and we haven't even mentioned the name Cheryl Dempsey yet, uh, which is like, no, oh, yeah. Theoretically, the main quote unquote character or whatever, I don't know. Um, the main the victim of main the main victim, yeah. Yeah. And like she like gets to like dress up in all of these like weird outfits. And they're not even that weird because they're very emblematic of 07's just sort of like aesthetic, like and the way that things were at the time. And even though this is not even set in 07, this is set in what, like the nineties and two thousand nineties, yeah. Yeah. Um like, but like, it does feel very much like this came out in the, like, it feels like a product of the mid two thousands, just like yes. everything about it. That, yeah, like the, the only thing this was missing was like some sort of hard rock song yes. in the credits. Yeah. We needed like, we <laughs> like, needed, like a like, saw like, movie Blood Bane song or something <laughs> like, um, Oh God. Yeah. See, that's the only thing because it, it, it sticks with the documentary facade, so it can't do something like that. But if it God, didn't, but like a credit song would have been it so fucking it, good. It absolutely feels like it would have had that like kind of credit. Stained or mud vein or yeah, oh a fuel. It would have just been like a fuel <laughs> song. Um like Yeah, yeah. Um, um Yeah, man, what is it about like two thousands horror? There's such a very specific vibe to it. It's crazy. Yeah, there um, is. And this movie really felt like it was a part of it, but it also felt like so much of it was trying to subvert parts of that. And like part of like just the subversion act was just making it this like found footage mockumentary style, which was not popularized yet by 07. It had fallen out of favor after Blair, like it got big with Blair Witch, lasted a bit, fell out of favor, 
and has since come back, we're even still doing found footage. I mean, yeah, we're still getting movies like that. Um, and which is I honestly shocking. I will say I am surprised that found footage is still living prominently. It's surprising. <laughs> well, especially considering, I mean, I feel like there must have been some stuff before Blair Witch, but it really took until Blair Witch to, for it to be like a whole genre and yeah. like for them to be multiple movies a year coming out that had this kind of format. And yeah, you're right. Like there's still movies coming out like this and they're still changing up the format too. Like stuff like uh, Unfriended Dark Web is like changing the whole thing from just like footage shot from a camera to like screen capture type stuff. Right. Um, and it's still in the same sort of vein of like, oh, this is some sort of footage that you're probably not supposed to be seeing. Right. Also, to be clear, yes, it had existed before. Cannibal Holocaust is a pretty right. That's that's a good example. example. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, it wasn't like I will say that I don't think until Blair Witch it was like as widely used. Like, yeah. Cannibal Holocaust was definitely like an outlier. And Cannibal Holocaust is the example, just like. Blair Witch of like it was the sort of thing that people couldn't even comprehend at the time because again like Blair Witch people thought the cannibal holocaust was real absolutely to the, yeah to the yeah. extent that even like the filmmakers had to come testify before the FBI yeah. to prove that <laughs> yeah. nobody got killed during the making of that movie yeah yeah because people thought that was a real snuff film yeah they did they did <laughs> that's crazy right it's crazy to think about that in 20 20 as like like somebody would have to do that um yeah you know this the trump p tape um <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we're not gonna get into that yet now but we've been um, down a whole rabbit hole with that recently and oh god yeah yeah um <laughs> filmmaking in 2020 is just like a whole different monster yeah it, but um, it, like yeah like it, it is like found footage is such an interesting genre and like it wasn't it got really big with Blair Witch and has not really like fully died. And this movie, like, I mean, this movie came out before paranormal activity made it like a big thing again, but it like, it anticipated that found footage was going to make a comeback. Yeah. Um, in a big way. Well, so part of what I think makes this movie so effective and disturbing and also like, so convincing it sometimes is that like it specifically takes on the point of view of the killer um, and all the footage is being shot by him. So, I mean, we've seen before movies that show us the killer's point of view, most notably like the Halloween series. We get a lot of stuff from Michael's point of view as he's walking around stalking, but there's something. What about maniac? I feel like that's. Oh yeah. Maniac. Maniac Maniac is a fantastic example, but there's something more eerie about only the killer's point of view but being like as he told this is literally the killer filming as he's going to kill someone and like there's these scenes where he's like stalking someone in their house and as opposed to like the typical found footage film where you're watching like some unassuming a static person camera. A static, or, camera. A static camera or even like somebody carrying a handheld camera wandering around um being like oh god i hope they don't run into someone like here you're watching the killer stalk around and being like, Oh, I hope he doesn't find one of the people he's trying to kill. It's like mm-hmm. a complete reversal of that. Um, what do you expect? That, Just the yeah, normal, the norms of reversal this. of that. And it's, it's very disturbing and creepy. 
like all, especially the part where he's like stalking Cheryl's house and the part where he sets up the camera and then goes yeah. and hides in the closet while they're in the room. I do think that the the Cheryl kidnapping scene is very disturbing. Um and so Cheryl is like the main victim of this guy. There's a moment early on in the movie where they're like, this is one set of tapes from the Poughkeepsie killer. And then he singles out like what looks like it's got to be like 200 tapes. He says these Probably even more. It's just yeah. like, it's he's, so many tapes. He's got like, and to be clear, he's shown a set that's more than 200 and then says, and these 200 or whatever are just Cheryl Dempsey. Like, yeah, it's like the majority of the tapes and there are so many tapes by the way. And that's only one set. Wait, I just yeah. want to be clear that that's like the idea of this killer. So this guy is like, not necessarily that he's killing 300 people. We don't see him doing that, but he's filming so much of what he does. Yeah. Like he's taping so much of it and then letting those tapes be found. Yeah. Which is like a big thing. And they talk about it to like, there's hundreds of hours of footage. That's like basically nothing. Uh, not like nothing worth noting. There's like a lot of hours of balloon footage as they call. It. Oh yeah. <laughs> they also, show us a brief clip of the balloon footage. That reminds like, me. There's like a, there's like a, I feel like there's a documentary about balloon porn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean that like, that's a very real thing, which I think, um, Oh my God. Have you in, seen the tickle porn documentary? Oh my god, we should do a we should do a doubleheader on the we tickle porn cut. doc and the balloon porn doc. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. That's that's um, a, that's an episode coming up soon. We got yeah. that record. Because um, those are like fun. Those are. I mean, I don't want to say fun because they're very disturbing. But those are like crazy fucking things to experience. Those even, yeah. So I feel like in two thousand seven, like that sort of thing. You know, it was probably known about by people who like spent a lot of time on the internet, but not as widely known as nowadays. But yeah, yeah, there's like a whole yeah, yeah. balloon popping fetish. Yeah. Apparently that's like the most alarming has. thing that I've ever conceived of because a balloon <laughs> popping is the most disturbing sound I could ever experience. Exactly. Um, but the killer is apparently very into it and has hundreds well, the of... The killer ass- is an actual murderer. OP <laughs> is a murderer, but go off. Um, He's like- a fucking <laughs> psychopath. So um, <laughs> what else? Not to, not to kink shame anyone out there. Kink shaming should- is my kink. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah but this um, particular killer is very disturbing in his fetish balloon popping. And he's very into balloon popping. You it's get hard. to see like a a clip of him like yelling at this woman to pop a balloon. Like pop um, it. Pop it. Um it's really upsetting. It's a very upsetting scene. And I literally, I think I flinched more in that scene than I have in many other scenes. And that just harkens to the fact that I really hate when balloons pop. It's like well, one of my like worst. So, movies. yeah, I mean, but, like, you don't actually even get to pop in that part, but it's like a menacing voice. You don't yeah. see him in that scene, but he's behind the camera. You can hear him like he starts out and she's like, pop it. And she's yeah. like, what? Like, I pop also, it. Yeah. It's, oh, it reminds me so of that creepy. scene in uh the dark night which is yes! like oh my god the scarier parts of the dark night which is uh the part where like the joker has kidnapped this guy and is making him read 
like some statement and it's all f- like filmed from a camera that the Joker yeah. is holding. And oh stuff. my God. Yes. And that's yes. one of the scariest wow. parts. And it reminds me a lot of this movie specifically. Because I'm so it's glad like, we both thought of what, the dark night. Wow. What happens when you give an absolute psychopath a camera yeah. and this is what comes out. <laughs> yeah. That is it. Yeah. Um, and we're all guessing we haven't actually found that out. Thank God. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like <laughs> I actually don't want to know the answer in reality to what happens when you give a psychopath a camera. I'm pretty sure it's Donald Trump's Snapchat. But like, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think there are serial killers, um, but fortunately, a lot of those tapes don't get released to the public. However, if you'll remember, um, an odd period of time, again, sort of around this time, we're yeah. like. There were like viral snuff videos on the internet. Yeah. Stuff like it. Have you ever seen like two guys, one hammer or something like that? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like there's some actually like really fucked up stuff out there on the internet. And again, like I feel like that ties into this specific period of time. Like, you know, nowadays, sure you can still find those things on the internet, but like everyone knows they're there. And it's mostly just like the sort of people who would already watch that sort of stuff who are seeking it out. But it's like, yeah, and back around this period of time, the internet was still like new enough that it's like, if you hear that something like this is on the internet, you're like, oh, what's that all about? Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of like this time period where like one, you weren't necessarily sure if what you could, if what you were hearing was true. Right. Now yeah. it's like, I mean, you know, like you watch, I mean, you watch a catfish show and like, you're like, well, how did you get catfished by that? That was obviously a fake person. Like, like, you know, it's, it's like so easy now to tell who's real and who's not. It takes like two seconds. You ask them one question, you get an answer that like is makes sense or doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, so it like, everything is so much different on the internet now than it was in 2007. And then like, you know, at the time you'd hear like, oh, this video exists. And you'd be like, well, does it really exist? Or is this like somebody said Britney Spears stripped at a at a show and really what she did was take off her button down to reveal a bra? Like, you know, like, you know, like that that's sort of like the era we were working in. And at the mm-hmm. time, there was also like, there were just like different filtering systems and so like a lot of videos got through all of these like different content filters that shouldn't have Um, right and so it was so much easier to find like i mean the viral video that happened of the 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 teenager like shooting himself on camera like like these were like things that like really happened a lot of people have seen that would never get the traction now that they did at the time because it would be shut down immediately they'd be like no you can't watch that. That's just like upsetting. Um, and you could find them on the dark web hashtag unfriended, but like, <laughs> y- you know, like you're not going to find them on YouTube now, generally, you know? Um, but at the time like- you could find fucked up shit on YouTube in 2007. Like yeah, it just wouldn't be taken down for like yeah. a while and long enough for many people to see it. Also, I feel like, you know, people were curious about this back then, you know, like nowadays, everybody knows that if you look hard enough, you can find snuff videos on the internet, which is, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely crazy that that's like a thing that exists now. Where in like 
back in the 80s and 90s it was like rumored that if you like write people you could find uh like a place to get real snuff videos and now it's like oh yeah you can just google it. <laughs> you know <laughs> you just go google it and like find actual like murders and stuff on the internet but i mean like back then i feel like the average person would have had more curiosity about it whereas nowadays it's like everybody knows that's out there so if you're looking for it like the only person who's looking for it is the person who's already decided that that's what they want to go see yeah people know how to use the internet now and like also the internet knows how to i don't want to say use you but like it knows what you want half the time because they're they're paying attention to us and that's very creepy Mm. but like you know it's not going to give you a google search result that takes you to a snuff film if you didn't really make it clear that that's what you were looking for you know like you're not just gonna happen across it anymore that's not gonna happen Um, you have to really be looking for it i do think there was a time where you could just find like these videos could at some point just happen across your feed on whatever social media. There was an era where that was reality. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty crazy that that, that was a real time. And, and that was our lifetime. Yeah. And that was also our formative years. So I I'm do sure think it's a lot about our, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's probably why we are where we are right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I do find it interesting that we've tied this so much to its particular time in the internet. Um, considering that the internet really does not have, much relevance in the movie well that's what i think is interesting about this movie is that like it's set in the 90s but so much of it feels tied to the 2000s era um and like it's you know i i just think it's an interesting it makes sense for the movie for when it came out that it like set it as like a past thing because for one thing the ending of the movie not to spoil it is that the killer is not caught and it's like he could be out there anywhere um yeah and, and they're, like, they're also like he might even go see screenings of this documentary in theater right. yeah that seems like something he would do he would definitely want to monitor his work and it's i mean to, to be to be, be real like, that, that does sound like something he would do that it like, does it's very much a character and it's supposed to make you feel like the killer could be in the theater with you right now and it's it's kind of funny for two reasons first of all that this movie never came out in theater. <laughs> right. But second of all, that every time I've seen this movie, as corny as I think that line is, it still scares me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'm watching it at home by myself, the killer could be in the room with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's watching everyone's Amazon prime history. Like, well, I don't know. By the way, yes, this movie is now available on Amazon Prime. It is. That's how I watched it. It yeah. is very crazy that back in the day, this was like a Holy Grail type film. And now you can just go watch it on Amazon Prime. But, you know, that's how things are in the 2020s. Yeah, I, I do think if this movie came out today um, and was like more updated for modern times like it would be something like uh a website suddenly popped up that had like thousands of hours of murder footage on it um but this is like the discovery of a bunch of vhs tapes and for some reason that just seems creepier you know vhs just seems kind of scary as a medium um 
Tell that and to VHS 1, 2, and 3. Um, <laughs> VHS 1, at least, is pretty scary. I actually um, like all of them, and maybe someday we should discuss them. But they like all them. have their they all have their good moments. It's very much the the later ones is all seg- like segment by segment, but the first one is strong pretty much the whole way through. Anyway, um, one of the weak points I'd say of this film is that like the um, it has like a really phony like VHS effect applied to the oh my fucking god it's so bad (laughs) it's really so bad and i i wish they'd go back and like remaster this or something because like it's clearly like an iMovie style like vhs effect in fact like they well it's probably final cut pro because they told us in the credits they edit that they edited this in final cut pro um they do but it's like it's very clearly like some sort of generic plugin that they just laid over all the tape footage and it just looks so cheesy. But once you like get yourself past like seeing that, if you like suspend your disbelief and like just think like, okay, these are real tapes. That's when you start to get really scared. Right. (sighs) But I, I, I would like to see that like updated because it's a very easy fix nowadays. Um, you can make fake looking VHS footage that looks amazing just like on your freaking iPhone. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny to see something that's like clearly trying to look like VHS footage, but it looks so bad. It looks like, but it like constantly looks like it's like VHS footage. that's like being rewound or something like it's not like, yeah, it's like all warped and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's like a big part of the problem is that it tries to, uh, include like the kind of warped feeling of a, a tape that's been watched a bunch of times and like recorded over again, like really cheaply. But whenever this happens, like I don't understand. I don't understand how these like movies like fuck up that sort of visual so much because like doing the VHS visual should not be hard. Just like a slightly out of like everything is slightly out of focus or fuzzy. Like. Yeah. Out of like focus, really like <laughs> slightly, yeah, just like slightly blurred, as if there's just like less pixel world, but it's not pixelated; it's just blurred. That's pretty much what VHS looks like, right? Um, and like maybe some little static blips every now and then, right? Um, especially if you're changing between different segments that have been recorded. But other than that, like it doesn't happen super distorted or weird because vhs for the most part you know looks pretty good you know it doesn't it's not like film where you know if you've got an old piece of film there's like scratches all over it and stuff right um vhs for the most part looks all right it just looks blurry and not high def it's not crisp it's not a crisp image you know um Okay, I want I want to delve through some of the notes that I took through this. I took a few notes, not many. Um, I do like the fact that 9/11 is a plot point in this movie. 9/11 is a plot it point. It is one of the, the weirdest parts that when 9/11 comes up in this movie, you're like, "Oh, uh, okay, I guess we're doing that." So, the killer manages to frame a cop for the murders by like planning some evidence and stuff. And then, like, the cop gets tried 
and convicted and then executed. And then right after that happens, the killer like plants some other, like reveals some other evidence that shows that, Hey, you got the wrong guy. Except then like right after that happens, nine 11 happens. Yeah. So it gets buried in all the newspapers and like, basically the guy's reputation uh, is never um, recovered. So I really like that moment because I think it serves a couple of purposes. Um, the in-movie purpose is to to reinforce the idea that like 9-11 happened and the U.S. kind of forgot like that other things anywhere could happen. Like right. there was nothing. They forgot you know, about like, serial killers. They forgot about it. And that did happen. 9/11. That is a reality that like yeah. 9-11 happened and like there's like and it's not just for a few months after 9-11. It's like a solid few years that we just all sort of like, there's like, like the news didn't talk about anything else. They talked yeah. about 9-11 in the Middle East for years and years and years. And that's like obviously a flaw within the media and the US and et cetera, et cetera. Um, the other purpose that it serves is to reinforce this idea that like, I mean, it, it bolsters the, this is a real documentary concept. Cause it's like, yeah. this is why you didn't hear about it. Real life. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, all stuff just um, covered up by the fact that there was a much bigger event. So that's why you didn't hear about this very real series of murders that happened. Right. Right. Exactly. And so like, it really like drives home. This is like, it's like, Oh, is that why I didn't hear about this murderer in the state that I currently live in? Um, <laughs> is is that it? Is it because of nine eleven in um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Well, well, yeah, but also <laughs> Poughkeepsie, um, Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, um, I do love Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I just want to put a shout out to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, <laughs> where I've had some great times. I love that that little county. Hell um, yeah, Lancaster, Lancaster. When we get the butt. Buzz on movies tour going. We're stopping by. Listen, your Lancaster town. has a voodoo bo- <laughs> voodoo brewery that's very good. They also have a haunted event every year. It's called the Field of Screams, and I love it. it is Ooh, so much yeah, fun. you've told me about that. Yeah, sounds um, awesome. So I love Lancaster. So listen, if Lancaster experienced this trauma of the Poughkeepsie tapes killer, I'm so sorry. Now I want to go to a haunted house, but like, how do you go to a socially distanced haunted house? You see. You can't. Not I work. don't think you can. Um, Damn it. That's like the biggest trauma. Trauma. That's like the biggest upsetting factor for me this Halloween is that like I can't go to a haunted house. We can't do that. And like the people who are running them are probably going to be hurt. I mean, they're probably important. not going to. There's probably, I was going to say, there's probably a lot that aren't running this year. They're just yeah. not going to. Um, yeah, they're not. Maybe some could run in Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is doing some weird things. But I'll tell you that, like, New York is not running them. Uh, what if you What if you did one that's like a haunted and everyone's wearing surgical masks? Well, <laughs> you could do, everyone could have to wear masks, but then you'd also have to, like, really distance everyone because, like, screaming is a problem oh yeah yeah during the coronavirus i mean um, i mean i don't think there's any real yeah. trying to think about workarounds in my mind it's it like it's i'm not going things. i'm not going to one no matter <laughs> no what. No, no way but god unless i suddenly uh, got vaccinated with a vaccine i could trust um i'm not going to a yeah you know, there's year. this there is this haunted house in uh i think it's in japan um 
where it's like a whole hospital that they lead you through. Oh, and it's like fun. it's like a haunted hospital and it's like a multiple hours experience. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I would I also to... be like dead by the end of it. Um, oh my god, yes. You know, if I if I ever go to Japan, <laughs> I, I might go through the the haunted hospital. But haunted just things like... in Japan sound very scary because they're very into like ghosts and curses. Oh yeah. Um, they demand like top-notch content. Yeah, they, so they have some of the would, best haunted houses. It'd be like very frightening to go through a haunted house in Japan. Um, that would be like a whole thing. I've never really gone through, and I mean, like, I love haunted mazes. I've never gone through a haunted maze that like focused on like ghosts and like J horror in general, but especially any ghost, really. Like, every haunted maze I go through is like, oh, here are zombies, or oh, here zombies. Are yeah, or, zombies, oh, here vampires. Are, here mutants. are crazy murderers who might choke you to death in their straight jacket or whatever i don't know mm-hmm. um so it'd be nice to go through one where it's like pale girls with long hair crawling out of wells that might be a fun change um, i did go through the um the poltergeist maze at halloween nights which was you know ostensibly ghost-based and that was very fucking scary really because uh, the movie is not scary i have like strong feelings about this the movie, the movie is, it, it's well done. Not, the movie is good. Like, the movie is a very scary. good movie, but it's a kid's movie is my yes. thought on that movie. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kid's ghost movie basically. But yeah, the maze was pretty scary. They had like these huge things that popped out of the wall and shit. Okay. Uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty good. It was one of the better ones. Um, so yeah. The kid's uh, movie is not a bad thing. I just want to be clear. That's like very good. I love Hocus Pocus. I love Poltergeist. I love Halloween Town. I love kid like kid based horror stuff like horror made for kids, goosebumps. That's how I feel about like scary that. stories to tell in the scary dark. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff is still legitimately very scary because yeah. like it still hits on the same sort of primal notes that just scare everybody. I think no. scary stories to tell in the dark is effective because the the themes are primal, but like the imagery and stuff is very much meant for like the like eleven to fourteen range. Like yeah, you know, it's meant for that age range. But like the themes are like you can relate to it. You can watch it and be like, I get why these kids are acting the way they are, and I I understand all of this. Um, okay, I think it's effective. Yeah, and you rewatched that again recently, right? The scary story. I did. I really liked it. It was one of the the earliest like fall watches I did once like the weather started getting cooler here in New York. Um, so I rewatched it and I really liked it the second time around. I thought it was really fun. I was like drinking hot cider. Um, I was having a great time with that movie. Um, <laughs> I think I really want to rewatch that one too. It just it feels like not just as like scary, but it feels like especially like fall and Halloween oriented. It's so. Yeah like you're watching it and it feels just like i mean especially i live in new york now um it's a it is very much like a a new england fall in that movie um and i just feel like it's like a really i don't know i really liked it i liked it a lot more than i i thought i did the first time even maybe um and it's like a flawed movie but it's like fun it's good uh the cgi is questionable Um, (laughs) and that's only maybe for the one character, the um, what's the guy who falls apart but puts himself back together? Um, Ooh, 
you know the guy. He like comes down the fireplace and he's in all of the like different. Yeah, parts. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he he says that is not like a word. Yeah, yeah it's a like, weird collection of things that he says. And, no, and nobody knows why. It's like even like to this day, like when if you ask the author of it, they don't know why he says that thing. Um it's the, raw, jang- it's, the raw. it's the jangly man and he says he says raw me malik stop it he does not say raw <laughs> me malik um, um um i hate that you've said that out loud um um, ah, um he shows up and he says Oh, jangly man saying, "Oh, Mitai Doti Walker." That's um, it. Yeah, yeah. He comes down the. He, so the jangly man comes down the chimney, and he drops down, and he looks up at the sheriff, and he's like, "Mitai Doti Walker," and like even the author is like, "I don't know." It sounded scary. Like it was like <laughs> I, I don't know either. Like, but it does. Like, Yo, it's with, kind of yeah. scary. This when head the jangly man. When the jangly man shows up in the movie, it's really fucked up yeah he says that and you're like what is going it's really weird i was saying that the jangly man cgi is like kind of questionable but like it is the it concept is. of the jangly man is very scary um and also me ty Dodie walker also rami malik i can't stop <laughs> thinking about it um I've um, cursed you. That that that's my uh that's my curse that I've laid on you. Rami, imagine like you're watching this movie and this head just drops down the chimney and just looks up and goes, Rami Malik. Um, <laughs> uh, now I'm just I'm not gonna stop thinking about that scene in Twilight. Oh no. <laughs> um listen, don't talk about Twilight that's right now. That's where we're at. Okay, yeah. I have died every day. <laughs> We're getting we're getting strongly into buzzed on movies territory now. Um, I like that when we go off base from the movies, it's we're getting into our podcast territory. <laughs> um, we're getting dangerously close to just doing the thing we always do. Um, yes. So yes, all right. To get back to the Poughkeepsie tapes, because I have a few more thoughts that I want to close out on. Share um, them. Share those yes. thoughts. Spread so them. the killer in this movie. Shoot them. <laughs> Shoot, I'm shooting them all over. Um, the killer in this movie is like a corny dad type. Um, <laughs> he is a corny dad. He's he's very he can be very intimidating and scary in the scenes where he's like torturing or threatening people. But there's also <laughs> scenes, especially like the scenes where he's like already captured someone and he's like driving them back to uh, to his lair or whatever. He makes some like really goofy dad jokes. Like there's one part where uh like he tricks a woman into his car by making her think he's a cop. And then at one point he's like, um, so you called me officer back there. Why why'd you do that? Uh, because I'm not a cop. And she's like, What? But I thought you like what? And he's like didn't you learn about making assumptions? They make yeah. an ass out of you and me. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts because it's fucking hilarious. Like, um, what the hell? But also, it's like a nice commentary on cops, if, I, <laughs> if I'm if i being honest. Um, oh, yeah. There is a ba- bit of, like, anti-cop 
stuff horror, in this movie. I mean, horror does not like cops. Horror, on average, does not. Generally, like generally not. Yeah. Um, even though the cop who gets framed in this movie for the murder and gets ex- is innocent of the murders, he's also like somebody who is known to like habitually like beat and harass prostitutes. Yeah. So he's not a great guy either. Um, yeah. The the cops in this movie are morally questionable. Um, but yeah, also there's a point where um, the woman is trying to escape from the backseat of the car. And he just says like, obviously I would have taken the door handles. <laughs> I also thought like, it was very funny. I didn't want to laugh, but it's like, okay, that's pretty it's not like, even like really a joke, but he's just it's just like the fact that he would stop to be like, come on now. Like, obviously I got rid of the door handle. Like, I'm trying to fucking kill you here. Come on. Right. Like, you're obviously not gonna be able to just get out the car as yeah. it's moving. Like this that's is not- my first rodeo. Come on. But like to be fair to her, she didn't know it wasn't his first rodeo. No. Although he said, and so this is another thing I love about this movie. He was like, she's like, well, who are you if you're not a cop? And he's like, I'm the butcher. Yeah. And that's referencing the fact that like at this point, the, the, the killer has rebranded as the quote unquote Water Street Butcher which is this killer that just kills prostitutes on Water Street. Which, by the way, the Water Street Butcher is the most, like, I'm in 1265 London today, and <laughs> exactly. I'm a murderer. Um, like, uh, the Water Street Butcher. <laughs> Be aware. Um, now, watch out for the Water Street Butcher. Stay uh, by the gaslights. Oh, lad, uh, you better watch out for the Water Street Butcher. Um... <laughs> Like, it's just, like, a very bizarre sequence of events where he's it's like, like, I Jack am now. Yeah, well, it is very Jack the Ripper. It's like Well, the- it's because, you know, he changes up his MO to, like, hide what he's been doing. He's like, oh, these new killers, you know, like, and that's the reason the police, before the tapes were released, the police never tie together the fact that this was all one murderer because he changes up his MO and, like, creates this whole new character that he's playing which is the water street butcher who only kills prostitutes as opposed to all these other people he's been killing and then when he gets that version executed by the cop then he goes back to just killing all sorts of other people um and so yeah he picks this woman up and he's just like i'm the butcher and she's just like instantly just like goes like really quiet and it's like that whole interaction the part with that particular victim is like very creepy and unnerving. It's really upsetting. Yeah, that's a really, I don't want to say good because it's upsetting, but also it's very effective. It's well done. And that's also the one where he does like the catwalk up yeah. to her when he's like, Oh my like, God, stop, stop. This part is so funny. I know it's not funny, but it's so funny that he's like, I'm going to put on this weird, like nondescript mask and then walk in this like weird thing where my ass is up in the air and walk over towards you like in this like leotard or whatever I'm <laughs> he's in like a leotard and yeah. he's like prowling across the ground yeah and the funny thing is like he's behind her as she's like tied up to the post and like the the camera is like right in her face filming everything behind her so this is mostly for the benefit of the camera like she can yes. probably like hear him creeping up 
but like the whole performance he's doing is all for the camera. And that's a big theme in the movie as well, is that like part of this is just him like putting on a show, you know, it's not even always about like torturing or menacing the victims. It's about like putting on a performance that other people are going to see because he knows like the entire time that he's doing this, that he's going to release these tapes someday and people are going to have to look through them. He does know. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, and like he wants people to like see these like dramatic recreations of what he's doing. And so like, not even recreations, these just dramatic things that he's doing. Um, Play acting and everything. Yeah. And so like, I think, I think that's important in terms of like, just like who he is as a character. And also like, again, going back to like this movie was released in 07, like the concept of like found footage and torture porn in 07 and like what it stood for at that point in time in horror, like this, this idea of this like character being like, I'm going to perform for the camera, like all of these murders that I do. It just does feel like a very distinct to 2007 concept. Yeah. I I do feel like it is again, another thing that's very much of its time. And, um, yeah, like something about this period of horror, like really resonates. Maybe it's just because that's when I was first getting into horror, you know, but right. like I keep going back to this period of time in horror. Um, I do think that's a big thing. Is it like for both of us, like, you know, the the late 2000s and early 2010s were like sort of like definitive years for like when we came into being like horror fans. And I think that it's, it's very natural to want to go back to the movies that were like very definitive for us at that time. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense to me. One last uh, thing I wanted to touch on before we close this out uh, is character Dempsey. Sure. Um, yeah, we should definitely we, talk we, about Cheryl Dempsey. <laughs> we, we've sort of hinted at her before we talked about like the kidnapped um and her boyfriend is murdered that's one of the more harrowing scenes in the film uh she sees so much creepy stuff from the point of view of the killer um but uh, like so like her deal is whereas many of the other victims are just killed pretty much right away she is kept for like years in like enslaved in this guy's little torture chamber or whatever um and tortured a lot both like physically and psychologically and sometimes even forced to like commit some of his murders with him yeah um and like all this stuff with her is some of the parts of the film um and the actress playing her is like really good which is part of what makes it so disturbing like you can really feel her anguish in these scenes um and so at the end of the movie, you know, they find all these, they, they find the location of this house where he's been doing all this because he like leaves a clue somewhere. Of course, as always, you know, he only lets people find stuff when he wants them to. Right. And uh, he like lets them find this house. They find all the tapes there. And they also find Cheryl Dempsey there who they assume has been dead for years because like everyone else that this killer got died almost immediately. And they found their b- body, but they never found her body. She's still alive. Apparently. 
Um, and like, it's just, it's hor Like this is like the creepiest for me. Um, so like the first part of it that's really fucked up is that, um, that she like, while she's in the hospital after they've, uh, like recovered her from this house, she's apparent like her all these horrible wounds that she has from like the torture are apparently getting worse and they can't figure out why. And eventually they figure out it's because she's torturing herself because she's so used to it that it's become like a necessary part of existence for her. Um, yeah. And, and then um, there's the part where they interview her for the documentary, um, which is just, Ugh, it's like really even more so than a lot of like harrowing parts of the whole thing is like she she seems like if you've ever seen like interviews with like survivors of cults or like uh like murder like, like survivors of torture anything like that uh like this is a very good approximation of that she seems like someone who's been through a lot and is like a shell of their former self. And like the thing that comes out through this interview is like, they can't really get her to say anything about her time there because, um, she keeps saying like, I, I don't know what you want me to say. Like she, she has like no thoughts of her own. She's just waiting for someone to tell her yeah. what to say or to do whatever because that's what she's used to like all of her right. time with this horrible killer um and then she commits suicide after that interview was taped <laughs> it's very upsetting <laughs> it is really bad um so like i think that her character is like the main thing that i think still makes this movie work Without her, I feel like this would still be like just like some sort of edgelord killer going around doing these creepy murders and shit. It's like, ooh, why can't he be caught and stuff? But like all this stuff with her like really drives home what like a sadistic piece of shit this guy is and like all the horrible like torture and stuff that he subjects people to. And like she is the most humanized of the victims like you can really see like all she goes through and the effect that it has on her right. and that is what make that like her whole performance is, i think what makes this movie particularly traumatizing among other films that we've seen that have like similar kinds of killers right yeah i agree with that i think that her character really like binds this entire movie together um, even though we don't see, like, we don't know. It's not like she's in this movie for like 50% or more of the film. Right. right. Like, um, but like somehow her character, we always know for most of the movie in the background, she's there. And this killer is like using her like to just like, for a long time, we assume it's sexually. We find out that of course that is the case. Um, right. But like, fortunately, with, this movie does not show uh, sexual assault. Uh, but there's no, a lot of implied. There's a lot of things this movie does not show. 
Um, and th- you should be fortunate for that. There's a lot think- of this happened and you are left to imagine. It's, how- it's to our benefit and to the movies. Actually. Yes. Makes yeah. it more effective. I. Th- yeah. Completely agree with that. Um, so it's very good that the movie chooses to mostly tell you the horrors that have occurred and not actually show them um, or to imply them. It's in fitting with the, the format too, because it's supposed to be documented. So it can't get too salacious, but you know, it tries to recount all the right. factual parts of what happened. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I think it really makes sense with the format. Um, so like, uh, Cheryl's experience is like one of those like situations where we, by the end, we know that there's been so much that's left to our imagination and it is very upsetting. Um, yeah, I think yeah, a large part of also what makes this so such an effective movie is just how much of it is implied, you know, like you see the hundreds of tapes and you know that you've only seen like a, like an hour at most of footage. So it's like, oh my God, how much other stuff am I not seeing? You know, how much that, like they even say during the movie that like all the tapes are numbered sequentially, but a bunch of them are missing. So right. there's some that even the killer didn't want people to find. So who knows what's on those tapes, you know? Right. Um, it's wild. Um, yeah, but a, a lot of what I think makes this it builds like a wider world beyond which you actually, the stuff you actually see on the screen. Right. Um, and it, there's so much of it that's like implied horror rather than explicitly shown horror. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's like a, a huge factor in why this movie works as well as it does. Um, Cause the imagination is always worse than the reality. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I found this kind of interesting. Again, as we talked about, this movie had like sort of a legendary cult status behind it. And with this sort of film, you think like you go to Wikipedia and you find out like this is the only film the director ever directed and he has been unheard from since. But uh, <laughs> It turns out, like, the director, John Eric Dowdell, is, like, somewhat of a well-known name. Uh, He directed the American remake of Quarantine, which was uh, known as, like, the Spanish film Wreck. Yep. Um, He directed uh, the movie Devil, which was written by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm -hmm. And um, he directed another found footage film, As Above, So Below, which I watched uh, a little while ago and is really good. I watched so, during the quarantine. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a distinct memory watching that. Uh, he's also <laughs> married to Stacy Chabosky, who plays Cheryl Dempsey. Yes. Yeah. That's also an interesting uh, little tidbit there. Um, so he also did Waco. Yeah. Yeah. He did the, the uh, Netflix Waco show. Um, I watched that pretty recently. Um, I know a guy who was involved in, in creating that. So. Oh, really? Wait, yeah, do you know John Eric Dowdle? No, I don't know John Eric Dowdle, but um, I might know Drew Dowdle, actually. Um, but I met him at a bar. I have a distinct memory of this experience, and I went to his website, and it was this whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, a friend of the pod, Rowan, could 
could comment on it. Oh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> we we met him at a bar and it was like this whole thing. Um so like yeah, but it was like one of the creators of Waco. So I do know I know a lot about Waco. I could actually probably meet John Eric Dowdle if I wanted to, now that I'm thinking about it. I have Ooh, this guy's number. Do, um get John Eric Dowdle on the pod. John Eric Dowdle, come on the pod. Have him about Poughkeepsie. Have uh, him tell us about the Poughkeepsie tapes and make he'll him. be like Poughkeepsie tapes is one of my least favorite works that I've done. <laughs> and um quarantine and as above so below are my clear preferential works but kipsy tapes was like his breakout movie it's interesting because like even though it didn't come out in theaters it clearly made enough of an impression that he got hired to do some pretty uh high pretty big stuff after that you know yeah the, also like poughkeepsie tapes is like significantly better than like no escape like i don't really give a fuck <laughs> about no escape so like whatever um, the Kipsy tapes is just so interesting. I, I don't I don't even know if I can judge it on like a quality standard because it's like it has its problems, but it's just so interesting and unique that I feel yeah. like I could, you know, I could keep watching it years after this and still find something worth talking about. Right. All right. Well, that is that might be it for this week. Um We've talked a lot. We've talked about we, a lot of things. We've talked a lot. There's uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Those are things <laughs> that are old, but yeah, we can see <laughs> these. These are old movies, but that's what we're that's what we're reduced to talking about now. Yeah, um, I literally haven't seen a new movie in so long. So we're still not. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff coming out on uh, streaming that I feel like we could talk about soon. I talk but, about streaming things, but I talk about. Like I don't pay twenty dollars to watch a movie once on uh, Amazon. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'm I'm waiting for stuff to come out that not like pay per view. But um, I did watch the Babysitter recently. That's kind of recent. That the was new Babysitter good. or the original? Babysitter? The original because a new one came out. So I was like, I gotta see. The- yeah, um, I need to see the new one. I need to see the new one. I'll see uh, the new the last- one. New movie I saw was still the rental. Um, Wait, what? Is that what it's called? What's the what's the? Uh, I thought it was called the rental. It's the Dave um, Franco movie. Um, oh, what's that? It's like a thriller, and it's Dave Franco directed it, and he's like uh, Dave Franco. Uh, I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling Dave it up. Franco. The Rental. It is called The Rental. It's the a rental. 2020 American horror film produced and directed by Dave Franco. Is this the one that he made in quarantine? Well, it stars Dan Stevens, Allison Brie, Sheila Vand, and Jeremy Allen White, um, and Toby Huss. Um, and I don't think it was made in quarantine. He yeah. it like start like it had its first release in June, um, and that was like a drive-in thing, um. I think it was probably started before quarantine if it was released uh, in June. Um, I'd love to go to a drive-in. Right it was now. actually not bad. It was just like not great either. Mm. Um, I think that's the last new new movie I saw. Like that was a 2020 mm. film, and I saw that it. new new. Yeah. Um, I don't know what 2020 films I have seen. Uh, other than like 
stuff like Blumhouse Fantasy Island I saw before. Shit. Um, oh, yeah, that was a while ago, though, and that's like no. that was before quarantine. And what I have been seeing, and what we will talk about soon, perhaps on the next episode, is a lot of Quibi content. You have, You've I been have, doing it. you have seen some of it, right? Yes. Wait, wait, which shows have you actually? Watched? Not a lot. So you'll have to tell me some shows. <laughs> this so is gonna can... be, this is gonna be basically like me as and you just being like uh-huh okay um but yes uh our our idea was to do sort of a quibby speed run try to watch as much of the content that we could within the two-week free trial one but of us was better about quibby than the other one of us try. one of us went down a bit of a rabbit hole in that regard and one of us also found out that um you can actually sign up for unlimited free trials as long as you have different emails that you can use, because that's literally all they ask you for is your email. Um, it's true, though. That's like a very upsetting thing. So you can basically just keep watching Quibi for free as long as you want. And then recently, like last week, T-Mobile was like, hey, do you want a six-month Quibi trial? I was like, oh, God. Terrible. <laughs> just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. They do. Um, they do. But yeah, I mean, there's been some interesting stuff on there. I've seen a few interesting shows. There's only maybe two or three I'd actually recommend to watch, but we'll get into that next time. Um, oh. It's interesting out there. Lots of lots of quibby news these days. Apparently, they're trying to find a buyer. <laughs> Someone can't to buy imagine why. I mean, because apparently, not enough people are paying for this wonderful service. I don't know. I don't know what, what it a, is. What a shock. It's like um, we almost all predicted it. I mean, I don't know. I think there's actually, there's more interesting expected, but there's not nearly as much stuff as I would like pay for. So. Right. Exactly. Don't, don't see where that money's. Anyway, no. we will hopefully get into that next week until I then. Yeah. Until then, uh, we hope you're enjoying the start of the fall season. Hopefully watching some spooky movies like we are. And uh, if you're watching anything that you think that we should know about or we should talk about on the podcast, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BuzzedOnMovies. Um, you can also email us, BuzzedOnMovies at gmail.com. Um, if you like what we're doing, leave us a review on any of your favorite platforms. We prefer Apple Podcasts, but we're on everything, so whatever you want to do. And as always, um, we won't see you, see at, the you at the movies. We won't. But we will see you. Um, I don't know. On Letterboxd? I don't, I don't have See a... you on Letterboxd. Hey, find us on Letterboxd. We're buzzed on movies on Letterboxd. Yeah, we um, haven't updated that in a very long time. Uh, yeah. At least I haven't. So unless you have been keeping it up to date, <laughs> somebody um, follow us to do something on that platform. Um, I will. I'll update it. I'll do but it. Yes. I'll go in. Um, but uh, also, we'll just see you on the Twitter sphere or on the podcast sphere. Please, please follow us on Twitter. We're having a lot of fun on Twitter recently. 
We've been following a lot of uh, Saw stands after yeah. our last I like the way pod. you said stands. It makes you sound like we don't know what stands means. Stands? Um, they call them stands? Uh, um, honey, have you heard? They call them stands. Have you heard what of these stands? Stand? These stands. Yes, um, we've been following a lot of Saw stands. Um, they've been poisoning our mind with all sorts of perverse content. Um, better than having your entire <laughs> body poisoned with whatever the fuck William Easton had his entire <laughs> body poisoned with. Hydrofluoric acid pumped yeah. through your body, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to find out what some of the darker portions of Twitter are saying about Saw, definitely check out our Twitter because we're going to be retweeting some of that stuff. We always um, do. We always do. Yeah, it's a fun time. But yeah, we'll see you next week. Until then, we'll just be here. Cream soda in. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it could happen. I'm just saying it could happen. A lot of things could happen. McDonald's, hey, it could happen. You know Uh, what? I saw a video today where a guy was forced to answer a question, and it's like, what is the man in this video doing? Answer in 15 seconds. And it cut to a shot of Goofy (laughs) break dancing. And then it shut up. He cut to the guy, and he said, that's Goofy from McDonald's. McDonald's. Oh my god. From McDonald's. What on earth? So okay. Funny. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, that closes out before uh, shit gets, uh, before we, uh, we get arrested or something. Listen, but yes, listen, everybody. Thank you. I hope we get arrested for me talking about a Cheeto. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be Grazie. back. We'll be back with you soon enough. Don't believe their lies. Don't believe the hype. Um, yeah, don't believe their lies. Listen, what is um, you know what Jill or you know what Alice? What does Alice and Diane say to Doctor Gordon? They say what? She she says. Why are you bringing Saw back into? Because I've had a lot to a lot of wine. You're hurting me. She looks at Doctor Gordon. She says it over the phone. She says, "Don't believe his lies." And you know what? That's she us. She says that about Adam. She says that about Adam. Adam I knows who you are. Don't believe don't his believe lies. lies. And all I'm going to say right now about the people who complain about us, don't believe their lies. Don't um, believe the hype. Don't right. believe the hype. Um, Peace out. We should hang up. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Grazie. Arrivederci.